0: So I guess that's all to say what intimacy means to me really is safety. It's creating a symbiotic safe place between two or more people or between us and ourselves in which we can feel like we can truly express our needs and desires and our truest self without judgment and that we can offer that in return.
1: Welcome to Spiral Deeper, a place to nourish conversation and connect over the paths that we wander, that shape us like rocks in a waterfall, to being who we are. My name is Gabby Izorski, and I am a healer, intuitive, writer, and creative based in Los Angeles, California. I found myself craving deeper connection, rawness, intimacy, and truth with my inner self and with the world around me. I wanted a place to rise up to be better and to expect better, a place for nuance and gray area, to hold the joys and the sorrows of a life well lived. My hopes are that these conversations inspire, soothe, elevate consciousness, gently open hearts and minds, deepen our inherent connection to mother earth, and create space for sweetly vulnerable and oceanic conversations to occur off screen. Thank you for your presence, and thank you for being here. Hello, my dear friends. Thank you so much for coming back for episode two. It was so special to share the first episode with Ash last week and just hear everything that you thought and felt while listening to the episode. It makes me even more excited to release the ones that I've already recorded and edited and just continue to connect and hear what you think. That, of course, includes today's episode, which is with Michaela D'Artois. Michaela is a writer, certified sexologist, and intimacy coach, we met last year through an incredible group of women here in Los Angeles, and I immediately felt so safe around her, I felt so in love with her, captivated by her, her openness, her energy, her beauty, her magnetism. Michaela is the creator of Inner Eros, a private practice and community dialogue rooted in intimacy, connection, and desire. She is also the author of the book, Your Orgasm Blueprint, The Comprehensive Guide to Discovering Your Sexual Potential and Achieving Ultimate Pleasure. Her book provides a roadmap to achieving ultimate pleasure while advocating for yourself along the way. From understanding the anatomy of female pleasure to exploring new techniques and positions, Your Orgasm Blueprint is an essential guide for anyone seeking to elevate their capacity for arousal, and understand their unique orgasm. She has offered a very sweet discount to Spiral Deeper listeners on the digital version of her book, which you can find on her website and linked below. The code is spiraldeeper 10 Minkela has been featured in Goop, Poosh, Who What Where, and Cosmopolitan. As a very sensual and sexual person myself, it's rare that we can openly speak about these topics in a judgment-free, fun, loving way. Michaela just exudes, I know I just mentioned this, but she exudes beauty, pleasure, and joy, safety, and self-acceptance, and I loved this conversation with her so much. To connect with Michaela listen through until the end and she is also hosting an event on February 21st in Los Angeles called connect with compassion and so there's information about that also linked in the show notes um, and plenty of ways to connect with her and her wonderful offerings lastly the giveaway for the launch of spiral deeper is still running so make sure you listen to the end for the details on how to enter you have the whole month of february today i hope you come away with a really just yummy juicy feeling and resonance within your own being of ways to explore your relationships and what intimacy means for you and I'm sure we would both love to hear what you think enjoy hello beautiful hello how
0: are you today i'm good i'm good i'm feeling really replenished after that full moon like i feel like i had like a little
1: exorcism and now i'm now i'm back was there you? something – I'm I'm good. I'm like – and I'm wearing, by the way, like a sexy milkmaid blouse to celebrate. I see it. today. Thank you. That makes me so happy. <laughs> Thank you. I should have worn mine. I was thinking about the Jacques Mousse shirt that you're selling on Instagram, and I was wanting to emulate that. That <sighs> vibe. That is a good vibe. Um, it's beautiful. Was there something specific that had – like charge around it for the full moon for you? Or do you just generally feel like elevated around those cycles?
0: I, I get my period on the full moon or, you know, within a few days. Um, So obviously that in itself is, you know, a whole, a whole experience of shedding in, in a whole different way. So it definitely brings a lot of feelings attached to it um this one was super interesting because it was a lot of like a lot of stuff coming up with friends and not in our dynamic but in their lives that they were needing support with or that kind of stuff so i think friday night i sort of was sitting there and i was like everyone needs to get very quiet myself included and it just the rest of the weekend i just spent in pretty much total silence. Cause I just needed a recovery. And then coming out of that felt like worlds better. And I think this winter, I don't know if you've been feeling this way as well, but this winter has been like a big hybrid. Like I've been feeling the hibernation as necessary more so than other years maybe.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so it
0: feels like, you know, coming out of that full moon, also coming into the end of the month, it kind of feels like that cycle is is coming to a close and I'm ready to be back out in the world.
1: Yeah. I feel that way too. I also have, in the past two weeks, have a lot – have had a lot of friends who have needed support
2: mm-hmm. and
1: just been like, okay, I'm just in that mode right now and it feels really good to be able to be in a place where you can support your friends. Yes. And be like, oh, sorry, I'm – instead of saying, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not available to hold your hand right now or whatever it is they're needing. Yeah and i've been leaning so deep into the hibernation of january and in the school of the sacred wild the program i'm in which you would love by the way i want to know
0: everything like you know like oh. i just want you to tell like this podcast episode could just be you telling me everything <laughs> i would just totally soak it up we'll have to do it another time
1: oh my gosh yeah it's it's really incredible and the theme of january is rest and dream And so we've been working with herbs like butterfly blue pea and blue lotus Mm. and skull cap that really quiet the mind and drop you into these really delicious liminal and sensual places. And so, yeah, I've been so deep in the hibernation. And then as of this week, I've kind of been feeling, oh, I'm ready to like butterfly out a bit more. Mm -hmm. And actually at the end of this week on the second is in bulk, which is like the pagan Celtic holiday of the light returning from winter. So it makes sense that you and I are both kind of intuitively feeling. Feeling that. And the sun, we're both in LA. The sun came out hard this
0: weekend. So it's like, it really felt timely that everything's kind of,
1: you know, is coming up. Completely. Um, Well, I would really love, before we get into your practice and sexology and all of the delicious things that we're going to talk about today. I would love for you to just take us back to your origin story, of you know, whatever that question means for you. Okay. I love that.
0: First, before I get into that, I just want to say thank you so much for having me and for thinking of me for this. I'm so excited for you. This is like the coolest new adventure that you're on. I cannot wait to listen to all of them and see how this develops and And just evolves for you. It's so cool. Thank Um, you. Let's see. I think when I think of my origin story, I sort of think of something that's been coming up a lot as I've pivoted into this new role as a sexologist and an intimacy and sex coach. And um, it's funny how I feel like in stepping into this role, I'm very much honoring little me and that might seem like a reach for some people. But I think that as I stepped into this role a year ago, I've actually, my practice has been open for a year this month, which is wow. crazy. And we'll talk oh, more congrats. about what that means yeah, and all that. But I think, um, yeah, like all of the, the every single step along the way sort of feels like it led to this. And in stepping into this um, modality and practice and all these things, I've sort of come back to my origins in, in the most natural and, yeah, just like natural way. And so I grew up in um, Whistler, British Columbia, Canada, in a very... Um, nature-based community. So I grew up pretty much, my forest was an, un, or my, my forest, my backyard was an unlandscaped forest essentially. And we had a lot of freedom in that world. And so I really grew up really immersed in nature. And um, from there, I moved to San Francisco when I was 17. I went, my background is in writing. I went to school um, and studied journalism and I always, I think I was really rebelling against that sort of slow community-based world that I grew up in and dove head into sort of fast-paced city life and all of that. And um, yeah, worked for magazines for a de- over a decade in various ways, uh, did some brand consulting and um, social media consulting and all that kind of stuff. And I think in, in 2020, I really had this reckoning and, you know, I don't think it's a coincidence, but I do think it it was attached to the pandemic in the way that I felt like, you know, if the world's going to end anyways, as it feels like it might, I I think I'd rather go down doing something I love than spend any more time doing something I don't love. And so I had to get really clear about what that meant. And I love writing. I love talking to other people and connecting with people. And something I'd always been really fascinated about, fascinated by, and something that came up a lot in my work and my writing is intimacy and connection and how we connect with others, be it platonic, sensual, sexual, romantic, familial, whatever that means. It's sort of how we connect with others. And so... I looked at all these different programs. I ended up finding a program that really fit everything I needed. And I went back to school for about two years all in and yeah, I came out the other side and I'm um, a sexologist, certified sexologist and intimacy coach or sex coach. Mm, yeah. Amazing.
1: So that's- Thank you for giving us that, that story of yours. And I know it's, of course so much greater than the few the few minutes that we just got to hear. I'm curious of what parts sexuality played in your childhood and teenage years. If that was a thread for you of something that was just always present or if you considered yourself maybe a late bloomer, if you felt like you needed more education, if you felt like you were the friend teaching all of your friends how to give a blow job, like what was that like for you?
0: (laughs) That's a, yeah, I like that question. Um, I think that really, what something I'm so endlessly grateful for is I grew up in a household that really didn't shy away from any of these topics and almost in a very educational based way. So like I was using the proper verbiage, I was using the word vulva from day one. And that's some, you know, I don't know if that was came from my mom, my dad's side, I don't really know, but no one really shied away from the realities of this stuff. So I felt very armed with the information I needed. And I think, that also eliminated the aspects of shame that often surround these topics when we're young, especially as young women. And it's funny because I felt like as a young person, I actually had no shame surrounding my sensuality and sexuality. And it wasn't until I really grew up and um, existed in the world as an adult woman that I started to find that I was attaching these little bits of shame that didn't really belong to me. And when I really looked at them, you know, under a magnifying glass, I was like, "Oh, I don't believe any of this stuff." But it was stuff that I'd sort of picked up throughout my life as a as a young woman. So, I would say that really started, you know, that laid the groundwork for the comfortability and, you know, I'm so grateful like even to this day like my parents celebrate what I do they tell their friends about it. They think it's so cool. They ask me questions about it, you know, like they're not, um, yeah, they've just fully supported this, this journey and exploration always and sort of the evolution of me always. And that's something I'm really grateful for. Mm
2: -hmm. And
0: then as a young person, I was just deeply curious. So, you know, I definitely wasn't my first friend to do anything, um and explore this stuff but I was someone who was curious and more so just about the conversation surrounding it it was less about the act of doing anything and it was more about the conversations around it and then of course you know we all went through sex ed at some point and most adults I talk to are like I either they don't really remember or they remember they didn't have a great experience but they definitely weren't being given the tools that they needed to thrive in relationships or romantic dynamics or even keep themselves safe and so early on that was something that i really um was passionate about and just sort of like yeah just sort of detangling these stigmas that we have surrounding pleasure and um, our sensuality and sexuality uh, as individuals as beings as women and so that was a big thing for me and i think then in in the world of high school and being a young woman and just girlhood in general, that's when I started to get the messaging that, like, I wasn't meant to be this way or that way. And I definitely, you know, I looked like a woman pretty early on. I could feel what that meant. I could feel the impact of my being in the world pretty early on and what that messaging meant. And in a lot of ways, I didn't let it affect me. But also I wasn't really willing to play the game, you know, like people would sort of show to me that like something should be shameful. And I'd be like, but why? I think that's the biggest thing. It was like always a curiosity thing. And it's always Mm -hmm. like, but why, but why? Mm -hmm. And kind of getting to the core of that. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, really pushing back against these ideas in high school of like slut shaming women. Like I always knew that, that, the like that people were were focused on the wrong things and that there was so much more to it and I actually it's funny I used to joke when I was in middle school when we went to sex ed I was like because I think our sex ed teacher was like some kid's mom and I remember he was probably so (laughs) like I remember him being so embarrassed and we were all like oh it's his mom and I remember telling all my friends like I want to be a cool sex ed teacher like I want that to be me like I want to go in and like educate them and for it to be fun and for it to be engaging and, and something that they can, you know, hold on to. Um, and so, yeah, it's just always been something that I've been fascinated by and, um, I love, you know, the concept of, or just the humanness of relating, like,
1: that's really what it is. It's just the humanness of relating. Mm -hmm. and relating in our most like primal way also and most vulnerable way I love what you just said about it being our most vulnerable way of relating also I feel like in my early days of exploring my sexuality I really didn't think about it as a way to relate I was Mm -hmm. so into the I want to say like presentation and like performance of it all, but not in a fake pornographic way, just in more Mm -hmm. of like a cinematic kind of erotic way, I would say. And where was I going with that? Um, I
0: don't know, but I love, I love the idea of that.
1: Yeah. Because I think,
0: I think it's almost impossible to remove the performance from sex Mm -hmm. and instead it's sort of like just shifting that gaze to who are we performing for right Right. it's like we almost can't at this point remove the performance but we can shift it in a way that feels more aligned with who we are and why we're there which I think is really or just even who cares why you're performing but as long as you know in your core why it's there and what right. you're doing it for. Yeah. yeah, even
1: what you just mentioned of leaning into different archetypes when you're playing with someone or with yourself mm-hmm. of, you know, whatever all of these different words can mean to you um, is performative. But
0: mm-hmm.
1: again, not in a fake way, in a like playful theatrical yeah. And way. some of
0: those archetypes can benefit us greatly. Oh my God, yeah. It can you know, be like
1: so fun. It. And yeah, I remember also, I think this is what I was going to say earlier of just really wanting to express myself sexually, and also feeling like, you know, the adults in the room, whether that is, you know, teachers at school, if, you know, someone's outfit is quote inappropriate, or, you know, mostly around, I think, presenting ourselves actually, but just. Adults don't know how to hold space for teenagers exploring their sexuality. Yes. I think that's actually at the root of what I wanted to say. Yeah. And so it's been interesting to reflect on that and think about how that has shaped my patterns with dating and sex as an adult of like loving the secrecy element of it, because that mm-hmm. was all that I had when I was yeah. younger. Yeah. Uh, it's so cool to hear about your experience of You know, there was no shame because it was so educational and straightforward, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: which is something that, you know, I hope to bestow onto my children one day of, you know, okay, we're in the bathtub. Okay, yes, that is your vulva. That is your penis. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, just being really straightforward about the language.
0: Yeah. And setting them up for success in that way of, I think we focus so much on not, um, not giving them too much information early, right? Like we're trying not to corrupt them, Yeah. but you know, if we don't tell them someone will, they will find out. And usually it won't, you know, maybe it might be from an older kid, an older sibling somewhere at school. And it usually won't be the right information or the best, Mm -hmm. the best information they could have gotten if we had just helped them with it. And I think, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm not a sex educator, but I have deep respect for them and Mm -hmm. um, I've, taken a few courses in, um, like early life sex education. And something I think is re- that's really beautiful is when you think of it as, uh, or how it was explained to me is that children learn in a spiral. So we're always building, building that. Those are the building blocks as we go up and up and up. And I think about that in terms of adults, because as adults, we also learn in a spiral. And When I think about, um, Interpersonal dynamics and relationships. When we introduce a new concept into a relationship, be it a new thing that we're arguing about, or um, our partner having a shift in their life that feels new to us, you know, it's like when we introduce it little by little and we keep building upwards, we can get to new places together if we Mm -hmm. see it as that spiral. But I love the idea of of you know back to to early stages learning about sex and just, you know, our bodies and our, our functions. It's like, you just give the little pieces of information as you go. And then you have something to build upon when
1: you give them, yeah. you know, when you're teaching the big stuff. Right. Instead of it just being like, where did this come from? And yeah, that yeah. completely applies to adult relationships and dynamics yeah. also. Um, yeah. hundred yeah, percent out of the blue, you're not just going to throw something out there. Um, I mean, hopefully, actually, people probably do that all the time, Um, you know, but hopefully there's some sort of little conversation before there's a big conversation. If it's like, hey, I'm feeling like I need a little bit more attention right now, instead of exploding about the classic dishes argument. Yes, the it's classic. Who hasn't been there? We've all been there. Yeah, the dishes is never about the dishes is what they say. On the top of your website, it says, we cannot achieve connection without first learning the language of intimacy. And that really struck me, although so simple. I feel yeah. like intimacy was something that I really didn't integrate into my life recently with people who were not my partner Mm-hmm. And bringing intimacy as a value into the relationships with my girlfriends, and my family, and you know, women I'm sitting with in a full moon circle, or clients, and just deepening that connection has created so much more richness to my life, mm-hmm. and. I'm wondering if you can just talk a bit about intimacy um, and what maybe the definition is for you or where you start with when it comes to intimacy with clients.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah.
0: I mean, I think, you know, similarly to you, I think, I think a lot of us have to come to this term and concept in our own time. And I think, Intimacy wasn't something I fully understood until more recently, like in the last handful of years. Um, And I think that, as you said, we associate it so much with romantic relationships and almost in a way where it's like, what are we getting out of it? Like I'm getting out of intimacy, but it's, it's really something that has to be offered and received in tandem right? Like we won't feel safe to feel intimacy unless it's being opened and offered to us and vice versa. And it's something that I think we overlook so much in things like familial dynamics and friendship dynamics. And it's so special and beautiful. I think that I think to add to that, we just, we value romantic relationships above any other type of relationship. And I think that's to our detriment, right? And I, you know, I want for us to move to a place where we can value friendships as deeply as we value our romantic relationships because often they span our entire life. Like I think about my grandmother; she was best friends with her best friend since they were kids, eighty something years.
1: That makes me want to. Eighty call. years
0: of friendship, best friendship, and you know, like they saw each other through boyfriends, husbands kids, everything, right? So we often don't feed those relationships as much as we could, or you know, we undervalue them. And that's a tangent. But I think that's all to say that um, intimacy to me means a dynamic in which vulnerability can be shared. And really, for me, it's synonymous with safety. Like to feel that you can be entirely yourself, as long as you're not, as long as that's not hurting others or taking away from others, right? As long as you can be entirely, entirely your entirely yourself in a space with one or other people, and feel safe and secure, and that you can offer that in return to others. I think for me, that's that's really. Um, Yeah, that's really what intimacy means to me. So I guess that's all to say what intimacy means to me really is safety. It's creating a symbiotic safe place between two or more people or between us and ourselves in which we can feel like we can truly express our needs and desires and our truest self without judgment and that we can offer that in return.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's so beautiful. Do you find with your clients that a lot of people are coming to you at a place where they don't even have intimacy or vulnerability or truth within themselves? I find that that's like, you know, as RuPaul says, if you don't love yourself, how in the hell are you going to love somebody else? And that's like, I mean, it's, it's so true. true. It's so true. We've all heard it and it might seem
0: redundant or cheesy, but yeah, sort of the, the little slogan I've used in my work is um, connect better to yourself before you connect to others. And I think, Yes, absolutely. A lot of times when I work with either individuals or couples, it always comes down to us creating time to work on the relationship with ourselves and understand how we can connect to ourselves and be honest with ourselves because how can we ask for anything or advocate for ourselves if we don't really know what we truly desire? And what absolutely. is what is needed for us to thrive in a relationship or needed for us to, um, yeah, to just expand and be the best version of ourselves. And I think every time I talk about sort of this, these tools to better our relationships with others, I hear it in my head, ringing true to our relationships with ourselves. Almost every single thing I say also applies to how we can strengthen our
1: bond with ourselves. Yes, because it's always a mirror, what's happening inside or outside. Yeah. One of my meditation teachers from years ago when I lived in New York, Megan Mook, she's incredible. We were doing a loving kindness meditation, and she was talking about that. For some people, it's easier for them to start inward. May I be safe? May I be happy? May I be peaceful? Before then going May all beings everywhere be safe and, you know, moving through the layers of that to get to Mm -hmm. everyone. And then for other people, it's easier for them to start outwards and then come inwards to themselves. Yeah. Which is so interesting because I think I'm one of the people that starts inwards and then goes outwards. But, you know, when you recognize the interconnectedness of all of us, it really doesn't matter which path, which direction you take to get to the same place.
0: That's so beautiful. I really love that sentiment. And I think it's so true. Like some of us, and I would say almost for all of us, you know, there's the work we can do on our own by ourselves. And then it really takes putting it in practice with another person. And that doesn't have to be romantically. That can be in a friendship dynamic, but it really takes putting it into practice with another person. And the the expansion that can happen when you are provided a safe, loving space from another person is out of this world. And out for of some this of us, world. It's out of this world. It's it's bigger than you could ever fucking imagine. And yep. some, for some of us, it takes, we really need that safe space provided for us so that we can safely explore our own needs and desires. You know, it's different for everyone. Yes. Everyone needs things differently and to varying degrees. But I think, how beautiful is it? And and when you think about that as someone that can give that to someone else, like how beautiful is it that you could be the safe space for someone to land so that they can start building up themselves. Mm. And I know for a lot of us, that was not our experience in early relationships. They were yeah. messy and painful and made us a little scared and weary about doing it again. And I just think that if we can be that person to provide that for someone else, and a lot of us have also experienced being that person for someone else and they weren't able to be that person for us. So yes, it takes, you know, the safe space really involves two or more people building that safe space, but I think, it's really beautiful to have, to know that that's a part of you, to know that that's something you can offer someone else.
1: Mm, Yeah. I have warm tingles running over my body hearing you say that (laughs) because it rings so true. And it's something that I've really felt the value in being in a long-term relationship that has so Mm -hmm. much safety and trust and yumminess and how that just continues to deepen over time, which leads to another question I had for you that popped into my mind is with that work that you talk about knowing yourself better to know others better. I'm And you said the word expansion. And I'm wondering if you also think about in your practice that deepening within yourself that also happens with other people. Because it's funny, I feel like you know the energetics of expansion and of deepening the words are so different but i feel like in the context that we're talking about it right now there's a similar connotation
2: hmm. to
1: the value of the i guess just to the depth of the the equalness of the as above so below you know yes and your capacity to hold everything
0: yeah. And I think what that really brings up for me is is something that has been repeatedly coming up for me over the past year of opening my practice up to clients mm-hmm. has been just the very simple sentence of go inward to go outward. And I think, you know, it comes, it, it comes up for me all the time in different ways. And I'm reminded of it constantly, where it's like, you know, it's that whole idea that how can we be there for others if we're not, you know, how can we hold space for others if we're not replenishing ourselves? It's that, but it's also, um, it's also the idea of, you know, others can only go as deep with you as they've gone with themselves. It's all of that. Right. And so I think Mm -hmm. it's true. There's the deepening, which feels almost like the self of it all. And then there's the expansion and that feels like the, Okay, I'm ready to go out and share this compassion and love and celebration of love with the world. And so I think yeah, it's sort of when you're when you are ready and maybe also at varying times, sometimes we we only have the energy to go deeper in, into ourselves and sometimes we have more energy to go outward into the world and vice versa.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that even brings in the element of winter mm-hmm. and earth that we were talking yes. about at the beginning. Yes compared to the summer when we're so, like, ripe and social.
0: Oh, yeah. I come alive in the summer. It's, yes. It's, that's my season for
1: sure. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. It totally is. Okay. So let's talk about your practice, Inner era. Okay. And wow. how I'd love for you to just share, yeah, about your practice and how most people come to find you and connect with you. let's start there. Okay, I love that. Um, So, my my coaching
0: practice is called Inner Eros, and that was sort of created as a platform for education and community, and then also in tandem with my private practice, where I see clients either one on one or couples. And something I'm working on right now is to find a way to to open it up to group coaching, which is something I'm really passionate about. But you know, this is such a um, sensitive topic and, and it holds so much charge that I want people to feel safe in that sense as, as I offer that, as I start to offer that. Um, but yeah, so I, it's really a space for us to explore what these ideas of intimacy and connection and desire mean for us and for us in this world. And so people find me all sorts of ways. Um, and I'm very lucky that they do. And so I've been seeing clients as I said now for a year and really we're just working on everything from um building our relationship to ourselves to connecting to others. Sometimes it's as simple as um as uh building our skill set up for connecting with others. Sometimes people just need a cheerleader as they go out into the world and start to date again or for the first time. Um And then a lot of it's educational based in terms of um, sexual connections and how we can be advocating for ourselves. That's really has shown itself to be the biggest thing, especially in my female clients, is a lot of us. No, I won't even say female clients because it's really across the board. A lot of us were just never taught how to um, express our needs, to ask for what we need and then advocate for them. And that comes up a lot in sexual dynamics, of course, but then I also see if it's coming up in sexual dynamics, it also comes up in other areas of their life. And so really when we work on this one little area, it benefits and deepens every single connection that we have in our lives,
1: be it romantic
0: or platonic. Yes.
1: And especially I have found in my own life working on my – whether it's, you know, sexual trauma that I've experienced or vibrancy, anything in that range, the more that I heal or tap into and connect to those parts of myself, the more, the more I'm able to do that with others. First of all, like yes. we were talking about, yeah, with the more I'm able to hold space for my clients that I work with deeper. Yeah but also just i i see the other areas of my life blossoming as an effortless result of that deeper work and that's yeah. something that i feel so feel so passionate about sharing with other people especially other women
2: mm-hmm.
1: there's so much to say there two things that you said that i'd like to touch on one skill sets for preparing for connection i'd love to talk yeah. about that more And if there was anything else you had to say about advocating for ourselves and um, maybe even some like examples of sentences. I don't know if you have like different communication tactics that you often recommend to your clients. If there's like a specific phrasing that you often kind of come back to, to recommend or any kind of tips like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sorry. First question. What first question was skill sets for, there was a lot there. No that was a lot. Skill sets of preparing ourselves for connecting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so I think when we think of um
0: these skills for connection, so much of it does come back to sort of what we had just touched on of the intimacy and creating those safe spaces. And so it's really starting with creating a safe space for ourselves so we know what we need out of those connections. And then once we are clear on what we need, that's where we work on how we ask for them. And so something that I uh, work a lot on with clients is especially clients coming to relationships, maybe for the first time in a while or for the first time ever, is something that is, I think, very valuable and important at the beginning of relationships, but you can do it anytime during a relationship. And that is clearly stating expectations and allowing the the other person to opt in or out. So Mm -hmm. maybe you're newly dating someone, just use this as an example. Maybe you're newly dating someone and you've decided to be monogamous or you've decided to enter a new chapter of that dating dynamic. And that would be a great time to say like, Hey, look, these are my needs and these are the things that I'm, I'm hoping for. But in asking for those, There's also the other side of it, which is that person has to say that they can can facilitate that and support that need or not. Mm -hmm. And what happens there is obviously it creates a lot of clarity, which I think in this modern age of dating, we often don't feel like we have.
1: But also it creates
0: there's so much confusion. We're living in a world of confusion. And I think that's why these these really simple skills actually benefit us so greatly is because often we think that, I don't know if it's, it's, we don't want to, I think I do know what it is. I think in the beginning of dating, we want to take up such a small amount of space. And I can definitely speak for that as a woman who was in the dating pool and, you know, you want to be cool and chill in the beginning and all these things. And I think that's, you know, I get why we want to feel that way. But I think what happens is it just creates so much confusion.
1: yeah. And then also
0: there's absolutely. a lack of accountability as well on mm-hmm. both sides. And so I think when we create this groundwork of sort of stating our expectations and needs and then leaving, you know, the floor open for them to say, I can opt in or, or out of that. Um, it creates sort of this bond of agreement, but it also creates accountability surrounding it. And so, you know, if that person fails to show up in that way, that's not your fault and it's not necessarily their fault but if it cr- continues and it's a pattern then it's accountability on your end to either rejudge the situation or exit the situation and that's yeah. true in friendships as well right and i think you know there's a lot of space in female friendships specifically to be deeply codependent and to often act as um it's a placebo for our romantic relationships if we're not in them or we're not getting what we need out of them. Mm-hmm. And so I think, you know, that can setting those expectations in friendships can also be very valuable to mm-hmm. a different extent than romantic relationships, but that's for you to decide what that looks like.
2: Mm-hmm. And
0: so that's a skill set that I think is is really valuable in dating. And when I say that, people often think that's for people who are entering, serious relationships with each other but i think where it really should be used is where we enter all those sort of in between dynamics like if you've if you've decided you don't necessarily want to be serious with this person but you would like to keep the door open for a sexual relationship great time to use this this tool and great time to put it into practice and for both of you to express your needs and sort of create that container for that relationship to flourish within. Mm-hmm. Um, we often think those dynamics need the least amount of attention in that sense, but I think those are the ones that need it the most. Um, yes. So yeah that's that's a big one
1: that I that comes up a lot. something that I learned I was on the app field for a little while a few years yeah. ago and I just found for anyone who doesn't know field is a very like kink positive sex app, dating app, like meetup app, kind of. I've heard some people describe it as like grinder for straight people, but it's really for all types of people looking for all types of connections. Yes. And the reason I loved it so much is because I found everyone to just be so straightforward and vulnerable about what they were looking for. Some of it being like very explicit and being like, oh my God, wait, that's a lot of information and I don't know you yet. And then some of it just being like, hey, like, I'm just looking for X, Y, or Z, keep it really simple. And I found that that was such a safe space for that safe for, for that straightforward expression to occur. I would mm-hmm. see the same people on field that I would on hinge, but the interaction would be completely different. And I loved that. So funny. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah. And I, I really felt like, okay, this app in my experience, was creating this space of, okay, let's get together, and then we can decide, do we just want to get coffee? Do we want to never see each other again? Do we want to mm-hmm. sleep together? Do we want to do a combination of all of those things? Do we want to yeah. date? Like, there were so many avenues that you could go down under this umbrella of honest communication of, like, mm-hmm. I want this. Do you want this? Opt in or out, to use your language yeah and, and for so many of my friends who are dating I've recommended it because I'm like okay it's a little scary when you get on it but then you just see oh wow this is actually really empowering that I can state my needs and there and it's
0: and it, there's the space for them to be stated and respected and I think you know mm-hmm. that's a really beautiful testament to the kink community right because yep. I think if you are playing Properly and safely within that world, and if you're well versed in that world, you know that the ground rules are safety, security, and respect and clear communication. And so that really goes to show that, like, if people were doing it intentionally, they were doing it to create safety so that other people could express themselves without judgment. And that's that's really beautiful. And I think it's so important and it's so funny. To, your point of you're seeing the same people on both those apps and it really just goes to show that when offered a certain type of space people will fill it
2: mm-hmm. in the way that it's
0: intended yes yeah. and I think totally. if, if we move towards this really intentional caring and compassionate dating world and I mean that in the v- vastest of terms
1: I think people will fill that Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, and one thing I've learned too from my past few years of dating and being in relationships is just when you have higher expectations of yourself of this is how I'm going to behave, this is how I'm going to be honest and straightforward about, you know, oh, hey, it was so nice to meet you, but I'm not interested in that way. Hope you find what you're looking for. Hope we can just be friends. That really calls the other person to meet you at that level of honesty and integrity. And then you're bettering both of your next interactions. Yeah.
0: And also maybe they can't meet you there, right? Maybe they respond. I had a lot of situations because I always, that was something I really, really practiced in dating Mm -hmm. was vocalizing why something wasn't working for me in a respectful way or, or when something wasn't or that like I wasn't interested and cause I kind of believe in ghosting karma a little bit yeah. <laughs> and I have, I have ghosted people, I'll be honest, but you know, I believe, I believe in ghosting karma. And so I would always say something and it wasn't really for them. It was more as a practice for me to familiarize myself with my own voice and setting my own boundaries and being clear. And there were so many times when just a simple text message sent to someone that maybe I had gone on one date with elicited such an intense negative reaction on their part that that also gives you everything you need, right? Yep. And you know, who's to say if they're going to dig into that response or not and, and look into it further, but for them also, and for ourselves, if we feel that in a situation, if we feel that rejection really hitting home in a point of pain, that's a great time to reflect on why we feel like that and what's coming up for us. Because I would always look at it and be like, it's not me, this, it's what I represent because I'm no one to this person. I was a passing, you know, potential and it's bringing up some really heavy feelings for them. And so, you know, and also that I've been there too, I've, I've been rejected and felt all kinds of feelings come up and it's a really great opportunity to be like, okay, what is this and why is it coming up for me? And how can I
1: just get some tools to better deal with the next time it comes up. Yeah. I love that you called that out because that is a way that you can just heal through dating. Mm-hmm. And I'm someone who, at least whenever I have an astrology reading, they look at my chart and they say, Oh, you really transform through relationships. And I noticed that through, through what I learned with each person that I dated before I met Connor and I really tried to take that as an exercise to go deeply within, no matter how goddamn painful it would be sometimes yeah, and confronting or whatever to then spiral up, to keep coming back to that image that you painted.
0: Yes. And I think it's important to note it's, it's always a good activity and practice to reflect on, what's coming up for us and why it's coming up for us when we feel rejection or if we feel discomfort in dating or sadness or all, you know, all those things that come up when things aren't going exactly the way that we want them to. But it's also equally important to remind ourselves that when it comes to a dynamic with another person, it's very often not about us, right? So, That, you know, if someone can't show up for us in a certain way or the, in the way that in the way that we've asked for or, you know, if they if there's rejection, it's really important to also remember that so little about that person's experience is about us. And I think mm-hmm. so it's twofold, right? It's like, what can I take out of this that's helpful for me, but also what can I leave and not attach to myself so that it becomes this dating storyline about who I am in relationships and in dating. Because I think we so often do that. And every time it happens, we use those little crumbs, those little tiny storylines to to reinforce what that means about us in dating.
1: Yeah, do you find also, I'm sure you do, um, because I feel like the theme of this episode is go inwards to go outwards. Yeah, go <laughs> so inwards to go outwards. I, yeah. Honestly, it's my, I'm gonna get it tattooed on my face.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Bumper sticker, bumper sticker, bumper, bumper sticker. Let's start with um,
1: that. Yeah. And then see if you like it. But yeah. um, when you're working with couples as well, I mean, it's constantly a coming back to ourselves. of, uh, Oh, I'm constantly. projecting onto my partner. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so often
0: a mirror and, yeah. you know, so often because they're so close to us, it's everything we've sort of gathered throughout the day or throughout the week or, or whatever span of time that's being projected on them. And I think, how can we lessen, lessen those projections a little bit and how can we sit with ourselves? Something that I actually, another, another little tool that I always suggest Mm -hmm. to couples and something that I've used a lot in my relationships and in dating is a practice that I call you, me, and we. Mm. And so when something comes up for me, I feel, if I feel deeply triggered, I'll sit down and I'll journal out what if this is mine? So like what's coming up for me? What are the patterns? What are the feelings? What are the storylines that I can take ownership of? And then the next portion would be, what is theirs? So, either that's a pattern that, like, they, you know, they constantly have this behavior and that's why I feel this way, or, you know, they have their own experiences that are kind of informing this dynamic, this maybe recurring fight is a good example. Um, Because often couples really only fight about the same few things forever, right? In different forms. And then, The third portion is we, and so what can we sit down and address together that we can both take ownership and work on together? So it's taking responsibility for sort of how you feel and what's coming up for you, allowing them to have the space without creating storylines for them of sort of what's their, their shit. And then what can we work on together? And often when I would do that practice, by the time I finished, I felt so much better. Mm. So what could have just been this huge projection blow up fight of me being like, you did this. And I feel like this, I was able to see it, lay everything down and see it in a really pragmatic way. And then by the end I could show up and say, okay, I'm not going to make my own. I'm not going to spend 24 hours, you know, creating this lofty storyline in my head about what this is and what this means and what you meant to do and say, Cause that is a whole bunch of energy output that I could allocate to better places. Right. Mm. So instead let's sit down and we can work on this together. And then I'm not projecting my storyline onto you. You're not projecting your storyline onto me and we can just see this for what it is at face value. And it's like that thing of like, don't send the email immediately, like sit on it.
1: (laughs) It's like that. Um,
0: but That's the um, practice.
1: That practice I feel like is gonna benefit so many people. And what's resonating with me is just how respectful it is to yourself and to your partner, your friend, your parent, whoever it is that is coming up that whatever's being brought up for with you. So I really Mm -hmm. love that. Yeah,
0: it's I think it's so powerful and it's I think what's really beautiful about it too is like, like you said, it's it's being really respectful of your own energy output. Yes. And I think as someone who literally could like fuel a city on the energy that I would output and anxiety that I would output about my interpersonal relationships when I felt uncertainty, it gave me such peace of mind to sit with it and be like, yeah, I don't I don't have time to write an entire novel of storylines about what this means about me overnight or like maybe like what you're up to or what this means about our relationship and how you love me or care about me and it really let me just put it down on paper close it off and step away from it
1: yeah I feel like that and it eliminates
0: fights mostly
1: for the most part or maybe it just transforms a fight into a conversation
0: Yeah. Yes, exactly.
1: I think it eliminates, it eliminates the blow up aspect of it, I think. Yeah.
0: Or honestly, you might write everything down and still be fueled with that fire. And then at least, you know, you did your feelings justice.
1: Mm
2: -hmm. And then you can
1: blow up from a more informed place. Yeah. (laughs) I like that. Blow up from an informed place. I also have to tell you that through this whole conversation, I'm just seeing angel numbers like every like minute. And I'm just having like full body tingles like this whole time. That's I just, amazing. And I, just, I can just feel It's this because is-
0: you're on the right path with this project. That's what it means. It means that
1: you're on the right path. You're meant to be doing this. I was going to yeah. say too, and thank you for that. I'm smiling for those who are listening. If you can't tell in my voice, I just can feel that this is going to benefit so many people and resonate with so mm-hmm. many hearts. That makes me so happy. I would love to... Talk about creating safety within ourselves Mm -hmm. and how that – actually, let's just start there. When I say creating safety in ourselves, what comes to mind for you? I love that. I love that idea because
0: often in a world that wasn't created to keep us safe and we're not taught how to create safety for ourselves, right? Like our brains are often providing the opposite of that. Yes, And, you know, we are taught instead to be so critical of ourselves and our experiences. I think really what it is, is building a line of communication with ourselves where we can. I don't think it'll ever go away fully, but where we can speak to ourselves and quiet down that that, you know, safety brain that's just trying to get us through the day safely, but isn't always super helpful and replacing it for us, be it a few seconds, a few minutes, an hour out of your day, replacing that with the loving, nurturing voice that you need in that moment.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And so I think that it might sound so basic, but really as it should be, I think it's, it's just providing that. And the more we do it, we sort of strengthen that muscle and then we begin to feel safe in our body and our mind. And also we begin to be more familiar with what is right for us and what isn't. And really in the process, before my partner now, I was single for two and a half years and that was really what I spent that time focusing on. And I was dating at various times during that that period, but which allowed me to put stuff into practice. But I think I really worked on the relationship with myself and I got so clear on what my, my body and my mind needed from me and also how to trust myself. And that's one of the biggest things I see with clients especially if they've had difficult relationships or they're in a difficult relationship or, um, yeah, I think it's people realizing that they don't think that they don't feel that they can trust themselves because they haven't, they haven't chosen quote unquote, I'm doing air quotes Mm -hmm. right in the past. Yeah. And so it's really coming back to ourselves and that could, that could be all kinds of things, right. That could be, choosing the wrong job that could be choosing the wrong person that that could be going against what you know is right for you time and time again. And getting further and further away from that, that inner voice and muffling that inner voice over and over again. So I think it's really sitting with ourselves, getting very, very quiet, becoming familiar with our wants and our needs and then doing them justice. And working on that self-trust and building that trust again in little ways, be it in dating. Um, I think when we reconnect to ourselves, we grow, and this is sort of something you've already said, we grow such clear discernment. Yes. Like in my quiet time and in my insular times, becoming familiar with what I desired and needed. Then when I went back out into the world, I could feel so clearly when something didn't feel Right or good, or even if I just didn't want to do something. Mm-hmm. And I could so, I was so much quicker to be like, I don't, I just don't need to show up for that. Yeah. And it, and it wasn't, I'm not being, you know, I'm, it's, I think it's good to be selfish sometimes. And it wasn't yeah. out of a place of negative selfishness. It was really just out of a place of, of actually what I would use what I usually say when I don't want to show up to something is, is, um, it doesn't feel right for me. And if I, sh- if, if, you know, I don't want to show up and not be my best, like I wouldn't be good company anyways. And that, that rings really true for me because if I don't want to do something and I show up. Yeah. It's not, gonna not be that fun. fun.
1: Yeah, totally. And that's a really, I feel like what you just said is a really great nugget that someone can take and start applying today. And establishing that connection to the inner voice is something that I talk a lot about with many of my clients as well. Mm-hmm. And even just the what do I want to eat for breakfast? Oh, okay. Every single day I eat oatmeal for breakfast, but today I want to have eggs. Period. End of sentence. Listen yeah. to yourself and eat the eggs. There's no and start repair. there and start there. And when you do that, you spend your day making these tiny decisions and listening to your inner voice. Then when it comes time to make those bigger decisions of, do I want to be in a relationship with this person? It's so much easier because you know what that yes and that no sound like Mm -hmm. and feel like in your body. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's, it's so true. It's, it's really just
0: those baby steps. Again, coming back to the spiral, it's like those building blocks of, of introducing that feeling to yourself and then repeating it Mm -hmm. over and over and over again until you build this, this foundation of trust with yourself. Yeah. And then, you know, you know, does being around this person feel good to me? I think it's also about when you, when you build a flourishing relationship with yourself, you feel so good being by yourself and that relationship is so fruitful And so it also makes all the other relationships very clear. Mm
2: -hmm. And something
0: else that I also add into that too is building the relationship with myself was really important. And then also the relationship being very, paying very close attention to the other valuable relationships in my life and what I felt like in them and what they gave to me made me feel so plentiful in terms of love and affection and being seen and heard and being able to be my true self, that it, then when it came to dating, it was like, but I already have all this. So if you're not going to be on that level,
1: there's really no space for you. Yep. Yep. And that's, and that is also part of the slow trust building with yourself to get to the point of if you don't add to my life, I, it's, it's just not going to work because my life is so amazing. You know, I felt that for myself before I met Connor yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah. And it comes back to something we also
0: said before, which is, I uh, no, I can't remember what it was. But anyways.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> I don't know. You can okay. cut that out.
1: Well, I, our last little topic that I really want to talk mm. to you about is orgasm Ooh. and I your heard. book. Your Orgasm Blueprint. Yeah. Let's hear about what inspired you to create your workbook. Yeah. So really, it was just when I started
0: to see more and more clients, what I really realized was that just as a whole, so many women were just – we just – weren't taught the skills to facilitate our pleasure. Let me walk that back. None of us, any Mm -hmm. of us, were not taught the skills to support female pleasure. And so be it a male partner or a female partner or ourselves, I think that we've always approached orgasm as this, um, we've always looked at orgasm female orgasm as a mirror of male orgasm. And it turns out that they very much function differently. And so we exist in this world that has really only taught us one direction towards orgasm. Whereas for women, that's a whole other experience and path that very, very intelligent people that I work with on a daily basis have just never been offered that information. And so if it's not something that you have access to, it's not because, you missed the boat. It's not because you aren't intelligent enough to figure it out. And it's definitely not because there's something wrong with you or your body. It's or that you can't do it. It's simply that we just weren't given the right tools and information to support us. And, you know, there's a whole other aspect to that conversation that is, you know, about why we weren't offered that information. And we can get into that in another time. (laughs) But I think, yeah, that's a different hour of a podcast. Um, But I think when I started working with women more and more and more and and of all ages, you know, my client roster ranges from women in their 20s to women in their 70s. And I think what I really realized was that we just didn't have one place for all of it you know, just one place where we could learn all of it. And I can help individuals one by one, but I felt like putting it all into this book, which I self-published and um, you can find it on Amazon and hopefully soon I'll also have the print version on my site as well. But I think, you know, just having it in one space and feeling like a tool that someone's sort of facilitating and walking you through I think is so beneficial and even, and look, it's not for people who just have never orgasmed. It's for all of us. Mm-hmm. It's for people who want a deeper understanding of their bodies and their pleasure. Like I would say the most rebellious act in this time, in this country is to understand and know your body and your pleasure. Mm-hmm. Like Beautiful. that is truly an, and, and being one with your sensuality. Yeah, not just sexuality, but being able to, you know, exist in your sensuality—that is a truly rebellious act at this time, mm-hmm. which is crazy to say, um, but it's true. And so, I think the book is the book is separated into four sections. There's a little bit of a sex ed refresh that's much more informational than the sex ed you ever received in school and much more accurate. And then, um, we go into sort of what that pleasure physically feels like in our bodies and some tools. And then we go into the mind body connection and how important our brain is to our pleasure. So most of an orgasm actually takes place in the brain. Mm. And then the last section is, is a partner is partnered pleasure. So that is how we can gain that pleasure with a partner that's also how we can advocate for our needs so you're sort of there's also some practices and little rituals along the way so you're going through the practices becoming more familiarity with becoming more familiar with what that touch feels like for you what is what's the better touch than some other touch and and really just getting to know your body and then by the end you'll feel much more prepared Mm -hmm. to explain that or translate it to another person
1: so It sounds, yeah, it sounds so necessary. I feel like actually, you know, in high school, that's what we should be handed. Yeah. Yeah, here you go. Here's your little workbook and guide. Oh my go gosh, through. imagine. Yeah. Imagine,
0: I mean, that would have just changed so many people's experiences. Yeah. And even, even for those who love women and have sex with women, mm-hmm. like – I remember my, uh, my high school boyfriend was like Googling things and like, yeah. you know, on forums Urban being like, how do you, yeah, like, how do you do this? Or like, how do you, you know, and it's like, imagine just having somewhere where you can go and, and explore that. And then because you're it, being honest that this is a journey that you're on, there's also so much space to talk about it and openness yeah. of you know, you could potentially do that together. And I've had, I've had couples buy it and come back to me and be like, we did this, did the whole thing together. And it's, you know, it really was designed to be uh, a self-exploration and then, you know, potentially partnered, but I love the idea of people doing it together. Mm -hmm. And they were like, it brought us so much closer. Mm, And so taking a beautiful activity. Yeah, I think so. What else are you going to do on Sunday?
1: (laughs) Go to the farmer's market, our other favorite thing. That's true. That's also a very (laughs) sensual act. It is a very sensual act. All the fruit and produce. When clients come to you and say, I can't orgasm, Mm -hmm. is the first place that you go to as an intimacy coach, let's talk about what's going on in the mind? Everyone's
0: experiences are so different and yet they all sort of come back to the same few roots. And I see it time and time again. And that's why I felt confident in putting that book out there because I knew that we all feel so isolated in these experiences, especially when it comes to relationships and sex, but we're so not alone and like the path to get us there might've been different, but the, and you know, what we're feeling in that aloneness is very similar to each other. And so I think, um, if someone comes to me and says, I can't orgasm, we kind of step it back mm-hmm. and I get a sense of why, what that feels like for them, how they've gotten to the place that they've gotten, what their history is, that could look like, you know, what um, messaging they received about sex from an early age, that could be their early age experiences with sex, that could be... um You know, if they feel shame around sex or orgasm and the vulnerability that comes with it, a lot of the work that we do, and this is also something that's in the book as well, is we address core beliefs. Mm. So sometimes we're holding on to these really unhelpful core beliefs that aren't even our personal values. They're just things that we picked up along the way. And we, some of us don't even, you know, sometimes we don't even realize that we're living by them. It's like tucked so far back there. and all of a sudden you see it and you're like what the fuck is this and i think it's really important to to look at sort of yeah those sort of what's happening in our mind and that story and then also there's a huge physical component and a lot of us are living with totally dysregulated nervous systems we are living in fight-or-flight mode survival mode And not because necessarily that we've had trauma in terms of sex, and sometimes that is it, but just because life right now is scary and uncertain and stressful. And how can we engage in the most vulnerable act when our body is totally just trying to get us through the day and protect us? And so a lot of it is nervous system regulation, a lot of it is um, creating those safe spaces for ourselves to feel comfortable. And then also paired with knowing something, a term that I use in the book and in my work a lot is knowing our contexts. And so that is what we need to get to a state of arousal. Mm-hmm. And so that, that can look like erotic contexts that can, you know, we might need a certain fantasy or a certain environment to get us there. Or that could look like um, as simple as we just need to know that our to-do list has been checked off, that the doors are locked, that the kids are asleep, and then we can get there. And mm-hmm. so it's really just knowing what our contexts are and having that in our little toolbox to reach for when we need it. And that makes getting aroused and then, you know,
1: potentially onto orgasm so much easier. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, of course, you can have good sex without orgasm. Yes. And you had a post on Instagram, the foundations for good sex, which are respect, communication, connection, curiosity, consent, and enthusiasm. And I'm like, yes, 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 yes. And all of these are like little threads that weave through our conversation today. But I just wanted to see if there was anything else you wanted to add to that in this moment under the context of everything we've been talking about. Yeah,
0: I, yes. And to your point, and you said this so well, orgasm, when we remove the goal of orgasm, you know, it really creates space for us to just explore and play in a different way. And that comes up in in the foundations of good sex because curiosity and enthusiasm for our own bodies and for other people and their, their pleasure and their desires is like, the biggest gift that you could give yourself and another person. And so, and actually the, there's a, I talk about her all the time because she's incredible and she's done good work for the people, but there's an educator and professor named uh, Dr. Emily Nagoski and she's a sex educator and she's coming out with a new book, but um, something that she says is the measure is pleasure. And so we often measure successful sexual interaction with orgasm right that's sort of how we tick that off but really what we should be focusing on is merely pleasure and so when we put the focus off of orgasm and back onto pleasure we can really be present in the entire experience instead of being so focused on achieving one experience for ourselves or offering that achievement for another person right because i think we're either in one of those two places. We're either so focused on if I'm going to be able to orgasm or we're focused on making sure that they're having a good time and that they will be able to orgasm. So really it's the measure is pleasure. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, Emily Nagoski. And, and so that's something. And I think from that really comes back to that curiosity and enthusiasm and um, like How good, like even in a conversation, like how good does it feel in a conversation when the person that you are talking to shows curiosity and enthusiasm about what you're talking about and vice versa? Like when we think about that, it's like, of course, that would feel amazing when it comes to your desires and your needs. And it's funny because I created that little graphic and then I realized all of those things are actually also the foundations of a good relationship.
1: Yes, so true. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love how you incorporate the seasons and the cycles of Earth into the work that you do. And to me, I'm like, yeah, we are nature. We're made of Earth, air, fire, and water, the same elements that the ground below us and the sky above us, heaven and Earth are made out of. And mother nature is so inherently deliciously sensual and sexual. Mm -hmm. And so I would love for you to just talk about the incorporation of earth and your practice. I love that. That's such a good question. I think you said it so beautifully because
0: when I think of sensuality, I think of nature. Yes. And I guess, when I feel the most connected to myself and my sensuality, it's when I am the most connected to nature and earth and those cycles, you know, like when I'm honoring my period cycles to the best of my abilities and, and, you know, the four stages within that month period, I feel the best. Mm -hmm. And when I'm sort of, when I'm not going against the earth and when I am working with the earth and the natural world, that's when I feel the most connected to myself and the most beautiful and the most sensual. And so I think, you know, my practice really is an extension of myself. And so I think I didn't even intentionally do that. Um, It's just something that I'm interested in,
1: but Mm -hmm. I think it
0: helps us in terms of taking these little, marks of time throughout the year to recenter ourselves and just sit with ourselves. And it's sort of a clean, you know, like a clean break in time. And so I think that's sort of where it came from. But now that you've said it in the way that you've said it, it's true. It's like, there is something so sensual and beautiful about nature. And I think what it really is, is that we have historically convoluted these ideas of sexuality and sensuality, and we've demonized both of them but they're not the same thing reconnecting i think it's an important practice to reconnect with both of those things separately and together and what they mean for us individually but i think when i when when i think about reconnecting with sensuality it's it's so um it's so rooted in the earth and it's so rooted in these these cycles and these time periods. And also we can learn so much about ourselves from mother nature and from the earth. And when we think of the the idea of like the earth as it was in its perfect, pristine sense, you know, before we ruined it. And also just mother nature herself. She's like the most pure natural thing, the most beautiful, pure, natural, organic thing that we have. And so the fact that our sensuality, or at least mine, is so tied to nature makes me realize that
1: sensuality is our natural state. Yes. Yes. And if you think about what it would be like to feel safe, to Mm -hmm. not be in a constant sense of urgency, to be able to take our time, to be able to feel like, oh, I can luxuriate and give myself a yummy little massage after I get out of the shower. Or, Mm -hmm. oh my gosh, I'm so turned on by going to the farmer's market. Like, you know, you and I are. Everything can become part of these practices and just make your life so flavorful. And so I love what you said about that being our true state. And I think a lot about our true state as... In Reiki, we call it your great bright light or your Mm -hmm. inner Buddha nature in Buddhism. It's that soul essence within all of us that we all have that beautiful light, purity, Mm -hmm. um, goodness, inherent goodness and love that and compassion that shines Mm -hmm. through our hearts. And thinking about sensuality as another pillar of Mm -hmm. the pieces of us. And our well being, um, and you know, it's like yes. our most
0: sensual self is really just being reconnected with our most authentic self and mm-hmm. that expression of self,
2: mm-hmm. and so
0: it's really a pillar of our well being. And we're fed so much stuff about all these things that we need in order to be the best version of ourselves, right? Like, you need. This facial peel and then, you know, these yoga pants and and this specific hair tie, and then you've got yeah. it. And that's the equation. And then you're the you're the you've now become you've stepped into a better version of yourself. And I think when we think about reconnecting or using Mother Nature as our guide, mm-hmm. you don't need anything. You don't there's no buying in, there's no anything. And I think that, like in that, I see the truth Mm -hmm. is like, you didn't need any, you didn't need all those, those face masks and peels and, and you know, whatever's you, they're fun. Do them, Mm -hmm. do them. If they make you feel good, celebrate yourself. But I think it's really like, how do we get back to the simplicity and, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, just kind of quiet that noise as well. And, you know, we've talked a little, it's come up a few times the farmer's market, and I think this is a great example. But the reason I think that that's such a, a favored day for me, farmer's market day and doing my farmer's market runs, is because it's... Um, it really ignites all my senses. And so when I, when I explain to people how we can really focus on sensuality, it's really starting with engaging all of our senses. And the times that we've really engaged all of our senses at once, for example, you're at a dinner party and you're eating incredible food and you're having incredible conversation and there's beautiful music playing and you can feel warm air on your skin and you know you're just totally ignited you, you often remember those moments the most. Mm. And so in such a busy world, taking those times to, and that's why nature and those simply simple things show up so much in my sort of reflection rituals is because if you sit with this beautiful piece of fruit that you've gone and and picked up at the farmer's market and you smell it and you bite into it and you really take in that whole essence in that moment, you are, fully connected to your sensuality Mm. instead of like standing at your counter and just scarfing down an apple and then tossing it half away because you didn't have time to do it. And so it's like these little practices of just creating that time. And again, coming back to the fact that like you don't need any magical tool or device or product in those moments. It's really just your bare skin, your senses,
1: and the natural world. Mm, So beautiful. I thank you so much for that. And I've never thought about the connection of your senses and the word sensuality. Never made that connection. And yeah, just thank you for dropping that wisdom. I'm really going to carry that with me.
0: Yeah, and I think, you know, people could define it different sensuality, different ways. I think for me, it really is when I'm fully connected to my senses, I'm in my body. So I'm embodied. And when Mm -hmm. I'm embodied, I can express my most sensual self. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And when I'm not, and I'm someone who very much exists up here in my brain, you know, when I'm go, go, go. And I'm up here. I realize, you know, my therapist one day was like, you don't breathe enough. I was like, what? Mm -hmm. I'm fine. fine." She's like, no, you're (laughs) not breathing enough because I'm so locked in my head that I'm not taking the time to give my body its basic needs. And I think, you know, when we take that time to drop into our bodies and become embodied and connect our senses, you know, the quickest way there is to connect our senses. Then we, then we can, can shine it outward and pass it on.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's so beautiful. A few, little final questions for everyone from you mm-hmm. where would you like to travel next I know you love the Oof. beach. <laughs> oh I love I'm most myself when I'm being a little
0: beach creature I think you know somewhere that's been on the top of my list for like 1000 years um is Greece yes and I want to do it right so I keep planning it and then I keep putting it on hold because it never feels like I'm, I can I've done it all the way right so I want to I want to do it for like a month you know like it's so far it's hard to get there so yeah so Greece is top of my list and that just is somewhere that always my entire life has just really um called me there so, so
1: yeah yeah I feel that way what too. about you
0: Where's yours? Honestly
1: Greece is on my list for this year. I also I've been to Paris a couple of times, but I'm just in the mood lately. I'm really craving going back to Paris. Just but in the mood for Paris. Just in the mood for Paris. Um and then I'd really like to go to Japan. I'd like mm. to go to where Reiki was first kind of channeled and Oh, is it Japan? I didn't know that Reiki was Japanese. It's a Japanese practice. Cool. Um and so I'd really like to go to Japan, and Connor and I talk about doing, you know, like, an insane food tour, hiking tour yeah. in Japan. Yeah. So that would be, like, a big trip down the line. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Japan's amazing. It's so
0: cool. And another one that you really just – you're like, I would have to do this right. Like, it's not – you can't oh, half-ass okay. it. Yeah. You've been – I went when I went when I was 12 actually. And so I would love to go back and have a different experience now as an adult. But um, I was really into the Japanese language and culture as, as a kid. So I did I d- did some Japanese classes which I don't speak any Japanese anymore and then I did an exchange actually. And it was it was a huge formative experience. It was amazing. Yeah. That
1: was amazing. When you were 12? Yeah, yeah I was 12. <laughs> Wow. Oh my god. Yeah, it was okay. it was
0: huge. And actually speaking of, you know, all this stuff, we, you know, onsen culture is really big and bath culture yes. is really big. And something that I now seek out everywhere I travel is like that um that places sort of beauty rituals, but also specifically bath bathing rituals because it's so yes. big in so many cultures and um you know, it, we don't have that same thing in, in North America. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, we, we went to the onsen when we were like 12 mm-hmm. and it was a group of us that knew each other from home. And so, you know, we're all like, are we going to get naked? Like, this is so not our comfort zone. And it was one of the most beautiful things I have ever seen in my life to this day mm-hmm. is just these beautiful women walking around in this outdoor garden, naked, Lounging on rocks, swimming, feeling totally just in there, and I I get this. I go to the Korean spa here in LA, and I get the same sense here in LA. It's like the one of the most beautiful experiences you can have in that
1: space. And again, safe spaces, right? Like, yep, yeah, yep. I was just at the Korean spa a few weeks ago. I just said to my girlfriend Emma, I was like, "Do you want to go tonight?" And she was like, "Yes," and. Every time we go, we say, we need to bring our teenage daughters here because yeah. you just see, oh my God, women are so beautiful,
0: so beautiful. And you're not really talking unless you're with a friend,
1: mm-hmm. but you're
0: like, you're having this like insane connective experience in quiet and, and just this, I leave every time with just like this huge appreciation for women and the spaces that they create and, and all of the evolutions of their life and, and ages and decades. And yeah, it's so beautiful. It's such a cool experience. It's yeah. Yeah. I love that.
1: What are you currently reading or watching anything of note?
0: Oh, that's such a good question. I need a new show to watch. So if anyone has any suggestions, Mm -hmm. please. Um, what am I reading? I'm always kind of reading a bunch of stuff at once. But most recently I've been reading a lot of Annie Arnaud, who is a French writer and um, she, she she's magnificent and she has a huge body of work, but she writes these little novels that are, are very short, like around a hundred to a hundred pages each. And they're very much diary-like and about the female experience. So the one that I'm reading right now is about an abortion that she had in her 20s in college, and she's now reflecting back on it, you know, much later in her life and how it affected her life. And um, the other one I read was, was just sort of one woman's um, sort of ups like one-sided obsession with this man that she was having an affair with. And what I find so beautiful about her books and, and a lot of other French writers that I love as well, like Simone de Beauvoir and Anaïs Nin is we're not like striving for this wild plot line you know it's not it's not plot driven it's not twisty it just is mm. and it reminds me that like first of all we all sort of are intertwined in these experiences but also that you know sharing our stories or writing or whatever we put out into the world I think we 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 quiet them down and put them aside because we're like, oh, people have said this before. And Mm -hmm. her writing really reminds me just that like there's space for everyone's voice and for everyone's experiences.
1: And so, Mm -hmm. yeah, I really love those. What are three books that you feel like have deeply inspired you or shaped you or that you always come back to for comfort? Just three books that you love. Should they be, because I love, I love books.
0: Do we want them to be like sexuality? Any, anything that you anything.
1: Like? Yeah. Okay. Anything. anything. Such a good question. Maybe, maybe um, one of them be like, if someone wants to learn more about sexuality besides your book, of course. <laughs> um, okay.
0: Let's see. It's a great question. I would say. One of my favorite books is Animal by Lisa Tadeo, And I've mm-hmm. talked about this pretty extensively, but I just think she's an amazing writer. And that's a book that I, I don't often reread books. I'll go back and reference and look through them, but I won't necessarily reread an entire book and I just reread it. And I just think it's incredible. And mm-hmm. um, and I got so much out of rereading it. Like I I, I really had a totally different experience the second time around um, but equally as as nourishing and I think another one that I often come back to is A Woman Destroyed by Simone de Beauvoir and that one is three short stories about the female experience and she just mm-hmm. captures it so beautifully in these different varying stages and ways and they're all sort of, they're sort of all about, it's three separate women that are sort of in their, in an age that we don't often talk about, which is sort of after they've had kids, after they've um, become established in their careers, you know, we spend so much time talking about what it's like to be in your twenties and your thirties. And these women are sort of in their fifties and onward and you know, what they're experiencing. And that's a really beautiful book that I love so much. And then finally, I think, cause I already brought her up, um, come as you are by Emily Nagoski is a really incredible book. It's, I think it should be mandatory reading for everyone. Mm-hmm. I have it on audiobook as well. And sometimes I'll just go back and re listen to certain chapters. There's just so much in there, um, she's compiled so much education about female pleasure and um female orgasm and how we experience pleasure and it'll be stuff that you're like I've never heard of any of this before wow Um, it's really really awesome and I do I reference some of her work in my book as well but um yeah she's just really incredible so Mm. that's another one and she has a new book coming out um called the first one's come as you are a second one that's coming out soon is called come together and that's sort of about mm-hmm. being in relationship cool. and sharing a sexual bond in that sense so yeah those would be my sort of top but I like now I'm like but then I have all a million more to tell you
1: yeah well people can find you on Instagram and yes please tell us where where we can find you
0: yes um you can find me on Instagram my practice is at Inner.eros on Instagram and TikTok. And my personal is Michaela Dartois on Instagram. And my website is
1: just innereros.com. Please stop by and say hi. Yes, everything will be also in the show notes, including a link to your book on Amazon for people to check out.
0: Amazing. Anything else
1: that you'd like to share today?
0: No, just that I just really loved this. I loved this conversation and, you know, there's so much to talk about. And every time I sit down and do something like this, I love to see what comes up and where it goes. And this one was just really, really special. So thank you so much for having me. And I'm so
1: excited for this journey for you. Thank you so much. Me too. And just big congrats on one year of having your practice. It's very inspiring. Thank you. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. I really appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of Spiral Deeper and for your presence. If this episode resonated with you, please leave a review, share with a friend who you think would like it, and let me know by sending me a DM at spiral.deeper on Instagram. To celebrate the launch of the podcast, I am hosting an incredible giveaway. The winner will receive one jar of honey from activist Manuka, which I consume constantly. I'll have a spoonful in the morning and in the evening, and oftentimes I like to give a tiny spoonful after Reiki sessions to whoever's on the table to feel a little bit more sweetness. Three of my favorite products from Moon Juice. You know, if you know me, you know that I love Moon Juice. I go to the cafes in Los Angeles almost every day and I use their skincare and pantry goods and herbs very often as well. You'll also receive a Sacred Web Tarot deck. This deck is so profound. It is one of my favorite guidebooks I've ever read. I feel like it's a privilege to work with this deck, honestly. It is just such a beautifully, divinely channeled piece of art that really holds you and meets you wherever you are. It's beautiful for all levels, and it's also the only gender-neutral tarot deck that exists. My friends at the sacred web tarot are also including an altar scarf that they designed and their 2024 sacred web moon phase calendar, which has beautiful artwork and a channeled tarot card and mantra for each new moon and full moon. And lastly, the winner will also receive a complimentary distance Reiki session with myself. Really a lot of beautiful nourishing things to be had here. To enter, please subscribe to the podcast, rate and review on iTunes or Spotify, wherever you're listening, and share on Instagram by tagging me, Gabby.Azorski, and Spiral Deeper, which is at spiral.deeper. The giveaway will be running through the end of February for the first month of the podcast. I'm so grateful to share this with you.